We're going to look at Psalm 1 tonight. This is um, a passage that I've been able to think a lot about over the, the Christmas break. My children are working on memorizing these six verses. It's a really good one. If you've read your Bible before, then you know Psalm 1. Very poetic. It has a phrase in there in verse 3. He is like a tree that could be humorous. It certainly is humorous to young boys. I think it's very profound. I want to get us thinking about our commitment to the Word of God. From all angles of life and all aspects of life, what is uh, our commitment to the Word of God? I want to ask you, do you like hearing the Word of God preached? Is one of the reasons why you attend church faithfully, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and other times, is because the Word of God will be preached there? Now, there's many reasons why we come to church and the relationships matter. But is one of the reasons because you want to hear the Word preached? Do you look forward to that? Is it the bread of life that you live by more than regular bread? Do you read the Bible? Is there a commitment in your life to the Bible in which you read it? You read it when you have free time. You read it as a discipline on a a regular basis. You read it with your family. You read it with your spouse. Do you read the Bible? Do you memorize the Bible? Do you have uh, certain verses that you've memorized that you uh, find your soul clinging to? Is there a commitment in your life toward the Scriptures? Because Psalm 1 paints a picture of of somebody being totally absorbed and established upon the Word of God, it being our foundation. It's interesting because the Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. There are 150 Psalms. That's a lot. Our church uses the Psalms as our call to worship every Sunday morning. And I think you've probably picked up on it. We've been doing this for about three or four years now. We just go to the next Psalm every single Sunday. This morning it was Psalm 90. So next Sunday will be Psalm 91. And following that way, we will not even complete the Psalms in 2015. So it'll be 2016 before we complete all of that. Because there are so many psalms. Psalms are long. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. There are 176 verses just in Psalm 119. And the psalms are loaded with all ranges of the emotions. You have some that are exciting. You have some that are sad. You have some that are good. You have some that are talking about God. Some that hardly mention God and just referring to the struggles of life. The psalms are all over the place. This is the first one that we're looking at tonight, and it's only six verses. We don't know who wrote it. We just know it is Psalm 1. Read it with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord. On His law He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1 is about a person. Psalm 1 is about a person and it refers to them in verse 1 as a man. It's talking about a person. 
It wants you and I to think about an individual, but it's only natural that we think about this individual as as ourself asking, am I that man? Am I that man? And it begins by calling him blessed. Any type of reflection at all quickly gets us asking, are we blessed? I want to ask you, are are you blessed? Are you a blessed man or or a blessed woman? Is your life full of the blessing of God? And if so, while I think all of you would say yes, if so, how do you answer that and how do you know? Almost automatically, everybody I know quickly goes to the things that are in my life help me distinguish whether I'm blessed or not. Yes, I have my health, I'm very blessed. Yes, I've got four children, I'm very blessed. Things like that. I have a good paying job, things like that. I have a car that runs, things like that. Got a lot of money in the bank. Things like that. We've referred to God's blessing uh, on those materialistic type things often. But Psalm 1 begins saying, Blessed is this man. Gets you and I thinking, am I this man? Am I this blessed man? But it's not referring to those things. Certainly material things are blessings of God. Until they overtake us. But it goes in a completely different angle. And it begins... With a, with, a, with, a, with a perspective that you and I need to know. It begins with the negative. It begins by showing the things that the blessed man is not associated with. And if you're not very mature tonight, I want to challenge you to grow up into maturity like the Scriptures say. And let's not call it legalistic. Let's not call it dogmatic. Let's not call it hypocritical. Let's not call it super conservative. Let's not call it holy rolling. Let's call it blessed. There are some things that believers don't do. There are some things that followers of Jesus don't associate themselves with. And it's not all of those things that I just said. It's real, true, good, positive, healthy, pure, godly life. It's blessed. But there are some negatives. If you're here tonight and you have no negatives in your life, things that you won't do, things that you're against, things that you don't associate with, if there's none of that there, if everything is wide open for you, clear, easy going, you really never set any boundaries, you never set any standards, you never set any limitations, if that's you, then I want you to hear tonight from the Word of God, that is not the blessed man. I want you to be convicted of that according to the Scriptures. Blessed is the man... And it goes into three negatives. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This is amazing that the book of Psalms begins with that short phrase. The man of God, the blessed man, does not walk according to what the world says is the way things should go. The last thing in the world that is good advice to us, that is influential to us, that is meaningful or significance to us, is the counsel of the lost and dying godless world. That means nothing to you and I, it should. And the whole book of Psalms that is, rich, that is as rich as rich can get. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That great psalm that the whole world knows. The book of Psalms, Psalm 1, the very first Psalm 1a begins with, we don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. And if you've lived long enough, you know that the counsel is all over the place. 
Every single person you know has advice for you. Your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your neighbor, your friend. Your teachers, your professors, your coaches are telling you what you should do. Influencing you, pushing you. Drew's roommate in Belgium for the last four years has made fun of him about him claiming to be a believer in Christ. The blessed man knows, I appreciate what you're saying, man, but your counsel does not impact me. Your counsel does not affect me. We don't walk according to the counsel of the wicked. We don't. And I'm not sure who you listen to, but I want to ask you here tonight, have you set up that I don't listen to the counsel of the wicked? The people that don't know God, the people that chase after their sins, don't listen to them. Their counsel does not hold weight with me. The second thing is, the blessed man doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Now notice that there's a progression here. You've got walking, you've got standing, and you've got sitting. It seems to, it seems to be saying more of like a, a slowing down and a more of a time spent. You may have heard that before. If you're walking and talking with somebody, or riding a bike beside them and you're having a conversation, if the conversation got to some certain point, you've probably done this when you're walking with somebody before, you probably stop to keep talking one-on-one, like, hey, this is getting deeper. And if the conversation really needs to go a little bit further, you might say, pull up a chair. Let's sit and talk about this for a little bit. Many times I've had somebody say to me, hey, can, can, can this happen? And I say, well, we need to sit and talk about that. The, the Psalm 1 is showing this progression to get us there. The second step is that stand in the way of sinners. Now, the beginning part says the wicked. The third part says scoffers. But the middle part says in the way of sinners. The man who finds himself standing along with sinners, in the way of sinners, uh, closely associated with sinners, in, in, the, in the community, in the fellowship, in the interaction with sinners, is not the blessed man. Now, let's not take this too far to mean that we're never to be identified or connected or associating with, with lost people. It's not what this is about. Jesus models for us over and over again in the New Testament time spent with sinful people. This is referring to a way of life that is clearly about them. We are standing. It looks like we're in agreement with. It looks like we're united. That man that is blessed is not like that. And he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, the scoffing person is the person who laughs at it, who dismisses it, who has a comment for it. The scoffing person is the one who, who just dismisses it like, yeah, right. The scoffing person, in many ways, is what Drew has described as his roommate for four years who literally cannot believe that Drew would claim to be a follower of Christ who hates his sins and wants to turn away from them. That is humorous to him. He cannot even believe that Drew would really be about that. And Drew talked to me about that already. He scoffs at the idea that I have died to my sins and that one who died on the cross for me is now my life. That does not even seem realistic to the unbelieving, wicked person. He scoffs at it. The blessed man doesn't sit and get involved with that way of life. They don't get caught up in the scoffing life. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. And they don't sit in the seat of scoffers. I want to ask you, are there some parameters in your Christian life of things that you don't do? Before we even got to what a blessed man is, we have not even heard anything yet about what the blessed man is in Psalm 1. We know what he's not. How about that? I want to ask you, do you know what you're not? 
See, a lot of us are constantly trying to reinforce what we are. And we've yet to grow up into maturity and learn, well, here's what I'm not. I'm not somebody that talks behind people's back. I'm not somebody whose integrity will be compromised. I'm not somebody who gives in to impurity. These type of things. I challenge you tonight from Psalm 1 in desiring to be a blessed man to learn what you're not. One reason why you ought to get into this Bible reading plan is to hear the Bible say over and over again what we're not. Allow the Holy Spirit to be growing you away from your sins and into purity that you might learn what you're not. We do the college Bible study every other Wednesday night. The same night as dinners and the same night as Elmcroft. And so we had the last one on the the 17th before Christmas. And, you know, we, we average about 12 to 15 college students there on a Wednesday night. And I knew that the next one, if you went by just two weeks, was going to be New Year's Eve, December 31st. And I didn't want to create the awkward position of, well, 35-year-old Pastor Josh and Val are going to have a little New Year's Eve get-together if somebody wants to come and bring in the New Year with us boring older people. I didn't want to create that. So I just said, we won't do it on the 31st. Y'all go do whatever y'all want to do. We'll see you back in January. But then they came to me and they said, no, we, we want to. Would you and Val be against it? We, we still want to. I said, no, it's fine with us. Let, let's do it then. They said they wanted to. Well, we averaged, like I said, 12 to 15 at the college Bible study on any given Wednesday night. Me and Val didn't know what was going on, who was going to show up. I thought maybe a, a handful would come. On December 31st, y'all, at our house till 3 in the morning. I'm still trying to recover from that. 30 College students, 30. I couldn't believe it. The house was too hot. We, 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 we had a great time, but it, that's a lot of people in our home. And I was encouraged because I would have thought that unless somebody is, is, is fully committed, then they would want to be doing other things on New Year's Eve out at a party or, or out living in, in ways that I didn't think they would want to be with me. And I was greatly encouraged by that. It is, it is things like that that begin to define your life of here's what I am, but also here's what I'm not. Will you hear me tonight from Psalm 1 that you can never truly know what you are. Listen to me, especially young people. You can never really know what you are until you also know also what you're not. That's just the way it goes. You can't really be about something if you're not also decided on what I'm not. I had a great conversation this week with somebody who was wanting to talk to me about how do you stay pure as a young person in relationships? How do you? How do you you keep yourself out of temptation situations? How do you keep yourself from not giving in to those? A guy with a girl out on a date, alone together at night, something like that. And you know that you don't keep yourself from sin once you're in the situation. You have to know better than that. 
You have to know who you are, and therefore, here's what I don't do. I don't get in this situation. I don't get alone with guys. I don't get alone with girls. I don't get alone in rooms. I don't get alone in beds. I don't get alone in homes when parents aren't there. There's all of these things. And as soon as those parameters up, you have guarded yourself from ever taking your clothes off or taking it any further. It's knowing who I'm not. It's knowing what I don't do. In Psalm 1, in, 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 very, in a very profound way, brings us to talking about the blessed man by saying what he's not. In a matter of fact, it says a whole lot more about what he's not than about what he is. But verse 2 says, here's what he is. The blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord. And this is rich. You and I would have probably went to, no, I read the Bible. That's probably what we went to. I don't do this, but I do do this. And we would have turned it more into a, a, a task or a deed or a duty, but it changes it and says, no, what he likes to do, what he enjoys to do, what thrills him, what he delights in is the law of the Lord. In other words, the Word of God. That excites him. That satisfies him. And on that law, he meditates day and night. It doesn't mean he reads the Bible all day long. It doesn't mean he reads the Bible. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament would present such a picture of a hard-working person that, that doesn't have a whole lot of time to do a lot of Bible reading. You know, a lot of times you lose your job or you, you're not in school or something like that. You find yourself with tons of time to read your Bible and then you think, well, I'm reading my Bible a lot, but it's because you have all this free time. But the person who is committed to the Word of God has to be committed to the Word of God even when they don't have much free time. Right? When you're a mother, like, can y'all imagine right now with Andy gone, how much free time Rachel has to read her Bible? Probably not much at all. That's probably why Proverbs 31 says that her light does not go out at night. Because everybody else is asleep and she's clinging to the truth of the Word of God as her guidance. This is referring to somebody who delights in it, though. This is referring to somebody who maybe didn't have time to read it, but they listened to the sermon this morning or the sermon tonight with great intention, and they've remembered it, and so now it will be, they will be processing it. They're still thinking about that. They're still thinking about the idea of community being so important that when I start to value Jesus, I will long for community, something I said this morning. Blessed is the man who delights in the Word of God and he processes the Word of God and he meditates day and night on the Word of God. I want to ask you, do you remember what the Bible said this morning? I want to ask you if you have, 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 have disciplined yourself to remember what you hear. Do you listen with the desire to, to grow? Does anybody remember what 2 Corinthians 13 says as I talked about it this morning? Those type of things? This is what it means to be meditating on it day and night. I remember hearing it, but now I'm still thinking about it. That person, according to Psalm 1, is blessed. That man, that woman, is blessed. Now let's think about this. We've heard a lot about what he doesn't do. And we've heard really one thing about what he does. What is that one thing? Delights in the Word of God and meditates on it day and night. 
Notice that it hasn't really shown us a lot about what He does. It trusts that the Word of God is this powerful, life-defining, in many ways, governing truth in our hearts and lives. Blessed is the man who understands that the Word of God is the powerful, truthful Word of God. And so he has a commitment to it, a devotion to it, an allegiance to it. He delights in it. He meditates on it day and night. That man is blessed and he doesn't do all of these things. Walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. So there's a lot of things that he doesn't do, but here's what he does do. He delights in the Word of God. That alone is enough to challenge and shape us. That alone, just two verses, is enough to to cause you to start altering your life. To want to uh, impact your your home life, your family life, your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, your time spent. And it should. Then after that he starts to elaborate, and I love this. It says he is like a tree. I found myself this week, I was talking to Josh Powell, our former pastor, one of my great friends, and also Tanner Turley, who used to be here, who's a pastor in Boston now. And I told these guys that I think, I think this might be the best scriptural compliment that I know. He is like a tree. Now, my dad used to talk like that when he was talking about some big, huge, strong guy that plays football. My dad would say, that man's like a tree. Got legs for tree trunks and his neck's like a tree trunk and he's just big and solid. My dad talks like that. Well, the Bible uses that kind of country, North Carolina, southern jargon, but it's talking about somebody. It is referring to it in the positive like a compliment. It says, that dude's like a tree. What do we know about trees? Well, in Psalm 1, it's talking about a tree that is rooted and strong firm. It's not going to be easily moved. It reminds me of this tree that's right over here across from the park in that little old white house on Fairdale Road. The diameter of that tree has got to be 10, 15 feet. Circumference around the trunk of that tree is enormous. It would take seriously five men holding hands to get around that tree. It's gigantic. It's huge. No telling how old that tree is. If a car crashed into it, the tree wouldn't fall. If you put a rope around it and started pulling, nothing's going to happen. The tree is huge. Psalm 1 says, he's like a tree. What a compliment. Here's what it means. A tree planted by streams of water. And here's, here's the picture. You've got a tree beside a river. And so the roots are always fed. Their roots are always drinking water. The roots are always getting what they need. And then that tree yields its fruit in its season. The, the tree's never uh, malnourished. The tree is never lacking in fruit. The tree is never disappointing. Its leaf does not wither. It never goes dry. And all that he does, he prospers. Who? The tree. Who? The blessed man is full of prosperity, is full of everything that he does going well. He prospers. He is like a tree, the blessed man. Why? Well, it hasn't told us anything about him. It hasn't told us anything that he's actually doing. All it has told us up to this point are things that he doesn't do and that he loves the Word of God. 
loves the Word of God. It's like a tree. I want to ask you right now, if there's anybody that comes to mind, that you might say he's like a tree. Do you have any men or women that you know of that are like trees to you? They're strong. They're rooted. They're healthy. In all that he does, he prospers. You don't see him go through season where he's just not himself, not doing well, distracted from Jesus, not praying much, not really loving too well, short-tempered, healthy. Do you know any trees? Do you know any blessed people? And then it just reminds us in verse 4, the wicked are not so, they're just not like that. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. In other words, they're light. In other words, they're, 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 they're fluffy. They're, they're fleeting. In other words, it doesn't take much at all for them to be pushed along, passed along, brushed aside. It doesn't, it doesn't take much at all for them to be influenced. It doesn't take much at all for them to be uh, pushed out of the way. The wicked, because why? No roots there. Nothing strong about them. They're too easily phased. They're too easily influenced. All it takes is a little bit of wind and they're out of the picture. They're not like a tree. The blessed man is like a tree. He's not going anywhere when it comes to what he's about. The wicked, they're not so. They'll be blown away. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Verses 5 and 6 go almost a completely different angle and show us the end result, the consequence of not being the blessed man. I kind of said this this morning. I went from saying that we value the gospel and I got real serious real quick with two illustrations of the Stuart Scott ESPN anchor dying today, and then also the girl that was in the plane crash, the seven-year-old who lost all four family members and survived, because I wanted your minds to get to, rather quickly, when we talk about Jesus being the most important thing, it's not just to help us day in and day out. It's because one day we're all going to stand before God, sitting on a throne who's ready to judge the world. And Psalm 1, with all its beauty with all its poetry about a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its season, its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Someone talking about that beautiful stuff that you might just call, you know, brilliant writing, beautiful writing, goes to two verses later, verses 5 and 6, and says, no, you will die. You will perish. You will not be with the congregation of the righteous. You will not stand in the judgment. And the only thing that it's told us so far to keep you from being that way is a delight in the Word of God and a focus on it. Folks, we must be those who understand that God has spoken. And we must want to listen. Verse 6 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We can be known by God. His way is known, and those who know His ways are known by Him. It is that person that is blessed, and it is that person that is like a tree. 
this summer I got to preach a youth camp. It was up on, a, I think it was Lake Cumberland. Really nice. We got to do some like canoeing and kayaking and we were going around and there was an island that we could go to and when we kayaked to that island, there was like a cliff that you could jump off into the water and so we were doing that fun stuff. As we rode up in the kayak to the, to the island though, there was this tree like on a sandbar that was like in the water. I guess the water was up and so it used to be sand, but now there's a tree in the water. You know that happens sometimes. And so because of the water hitting this tree, the entire the entire trunk was hollow. There were ducks going in and out of it. There was, it was such a big hole in the trunk that you could see to the other side. I mean, probably this big. Still roots and stuff going. It looked like the most old and, and dying tree that you could possibly see. The trunk was missing, basically. Yet it was about 15 feet tall, and at the top, it was just loaded with branches and leaves. And if you looked from the top up, I promise you, you would have thought it was as good and healthy as strong as every tree. It was. But if you'd have looked down at the bottom, you'd have thought, there are probably no leaves on this tree, it's dead. And I found it to be such an awesome illustration. Its roots... We're in the dirt, and the dirt was continually surrounded by water. The tree was fed. And so while that tree, at that one angle at the bottom by the trunk, didn't look all that healthy, it was. Its roots were there. It was planted by streams of water. It yielded its fruit in its season. Its leaf did not wither. And in everything that it was supposed to do, it was prospering. Psalm 1 says, that's us. That's the blessed man. That's the person who knows what they're not and also knows what they are. Committed to the word of God. This year, please, renew yourself. Renew your commitment to hearing God and hearing His Word. Hear it. Read it. Love it. And may you be able to say, because of God's Word, I'm the blessed man. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Psalm 1. Thank you, God, for good psalm that helps us to see who we're supposed to be. God, give us commitment to Your Word and give us confidence and strength to not be, to not be about things of the world. We don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. We don't want to stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. We want to be those who make a difference, who are impactful, not the ones who are being impacted and changed by the world. God, work this in us, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.